a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. You're listening to a Zero Limits podcast brought to you by Two Ravens Tactical. Your hosts are Australian veterans, Matt and Shane, and we're here to give you the motivation to accomplish any goal you set your mind to. On these podcasts, we're going to be speaking to high-charging people with a zero-limit mindset that never say no. Let's go. All right, guys. Welcome back to another Zero Limits podcast. Today, Matthew and I will be speaking about ourselves and our journeys um, our younger years and our military careers and basically how we met and come to where we are today. Yeah, I, I think uh, it might be good, you know, in between speaking to all these other crazy people from around the world. We've got a lot more lined up over the next few weeks and uh, I thought let's throw in a, an episode about ourselves so, you know, our current listeners can find out a bit more about who we are and what we do. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, I know some of my friends know about me, obviously. Then they're probably wondering who's Matthews and vice versa. Matt's mates are probably thinking, yep, we know Matt, but we don't know that much about him and who's his Shane character. So uh, I'll get started. So I uh, grew up in Lake Macquarie at a suburb called Butterbar. I uh, went to Toronto High School and then I joined the Navy halfway through year 12. I found out that I was leaving in March the following year and I joined the Navy March the 9th, 2009. And I got shipped off down to HMAS Service, which is the Navy's training base for all sailors. And um, recruit school was for three three months. Just to just to back it up, why yeah. why did you join the Navy? Yeah, okay, it's a good question. Um, my uncle, he was he's in the Navy, still is now. He's the commanding officer of HMAS Cutterville. Old uh, Captain Chant, if he's out there, if someone knows him, <laughs> um, he was a he was a pilot by trade. He was down at HMAS Albatross and. Uh, his his wife's my mum's sister. So we were having a chat when I was in year 12. He was sort of didn't know what I want to do when I left school, whether I want to go to uni or be a tradie or do all this and that. So I think the Defence Force is probably the best option for the school leavers uh, into if they don't have a direction. Not saying school leavers because when I joined, um, yeah, there was the majority of people were uh, – we had one join that was 16 and they, they went up to like 50s. So, yeah, right. But the majority were probably under 23. And people always ask, like, what's it, what's it like? Yeah, apart from, like, what you see on TV and you hear on TV and movies and whatnot, it's like you're getting getting paid to have fun. It's like you've been at school, you know, obviously you don't know these these girls and boys, men and women you're with, and after a week or so you get to know them. And yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure the yeah, army is the same. Same shit, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sweet. So uh, you joined and then you – Obviously, you went to recruit training? Yeah, so our recruit school's HMO service down out, uh, just a little bit south of Frankston, for all those people who don't know where that might be, uh, in Victoria. And I, la- I was pretty lucky. I went down there during winter, and people think, well, was that lucky? Because the, the buildings are so old. There's no fans. There's no air con. So I always think, you know, you can, you can always get warm, but you can't always get cold. So, um, yeah, so that was that was cool. You know, people always think, oh, man, how was it sort of thing? And at times it was challenging, you know. You think to yourself, what am I doing here? But then I always thought, you know, there's no other job for me back home. Yeah. So I think that was sort of my, my, my mental game to to like stay down there. Because like we all want to quit, you know. If something's too hard, we just throw our hands up, you know. We, we've all done it before. But the thing that sort of depends on your life and you're so young, you know. I was, I was 17 at the time and you just think to yourself, ah, oh, stuff, you know, give it a whirl. 
And here we are, 10 years later, 20 years later. <laughs> anyway, so during your training, you're basically there for uh, 12 weeks and people are just dropping out left, right and centre. I think we started with well, probably one of the biggest intakes and we had, I think, 130 people. So then you get put in your division and your division's named after a ship or a, um, a famous Navy personnel. We were in um, Waller Division and in that division, we'll, then you're in classes which are like named after ships, so... Anyway, we're in Canberra class. So during your time in your courses, you'll do survival at sea, uh, firefighting, um, you shoot the service role, which is the style, which we all know about. It's like a Tupperware container that shoots bullets. Um, and yeah, so, and then there's a lot of mar- marching, like the Navy, believe it or not, <laughs> you know, it's it's phenomenal. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, where I think the Navy's the only service that actually like doubles, which is like running in like a, a, a form squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we do it. It's, I, I don't it's, remember, but it's bizarre. Like, it's I'm sure there might be some other cases in the army in the early, earlier days of people doing it. Yeah. But I know the navy, like we used to double march, and the people that were unfit, you know, they used to hate it because we got these massive steel cap boots on. Oh, I'm pretty sure we did. Did you? Yeah. Right to not, get somewhere quick. Not in not in P, PT rig. When like yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. Wow. Who's making up stories now? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so, and then we free, we marched out and like three months later and it was the probably one of the feelings I still think about today, you know, you haven't seen your family for three months or so. Yeah, you do your march out parade and you've been practicing for like weeks on end, just getting it perfect and they usually get in a, um, like a, I wouldn't say a famous person, but like someone to host the the fallout parade, march out parade and we had some Commodore or Rear Admiral. So yeah, that was a good good time seeing mum and dad for the first time in three months. So that was the probably longest time I've been away yeah, from yeah. home. And you know, it's it's it was fun. You know, you look back at recruit school now. I'm sure everyone out there who was Navy, Army, Air Force, whatever, can like relate and just go, yeah, it was it was pretty shit. You know, but I look back now and I was thinking, yeah, it was fun. If if I knew the stuff I knew now about the Defence Force, you yeah. could just go back oh, and yeah. just be an absolute man. Hundred percent. So post uh, uh, your recruit training. Um, you know, in the army, you get posted to IETs, which is your initial employment training, you know, dedicated, you know, infantry, etc. What do yeah. you choose? So, what, what's next after? Yeah, Navy is called CAT school or category school. Um, and basically, you sort of just verge off into your um, trade, if you will. So, if you're a communicator, you're a cook, steward, stores, um, I was a bosun, if you're a diver, a communicator, whatever. And then not not everyone stays down at HMO service. Some people get shipped off to other places to do their mm. CAT school training. It was good for us because we were probably one of the, the shortest amount of times we spent at Cat School Hours was only three months. I think cooks and stewards are roughly the same yeah, considering right. technical roles like a marine technician or electronics uh, are there for about a year and a half yeah, after their training. Um, so we're down there, we learn all the service weapons, pistols, shotgun, um, style, which is the service rifle, the light machine gun, which is the uh, 2D3 and the 308 machine gun and the 12.7, which is the 50 cal. Yeah. And we're doing like ASPAT and training and like defense tactics and we learn to drive the rib and stuff. Yeah, so basically it's just an extension of, uh, you know, you trade what you're doing and yeah. learning all the, the basics for that role before you get posted to a, yeah, a ship. Yeah, 100%. So after that, you all get your marching orders um, and some people get shipped all over Australia. You can ask to where, where you want to go. I forget, it's on your um, PMK cell service, which is like the internet, which is the defense intraweb. I think that's what they call the intranet. Yeah, intranet. Yeah, yeah, that's one. And uh, so you put your posting preference, and a lot of people get shipped to Sydney because the main the reason is because the same like the ships there, and like everyone needs to go to sea um, to sort of that's why we joined for you know to go to sea. So yeah, I got shipped there, and my first ship was HMAS Manura. She's gone now. She got decommissioned in 2011, 2012. Is she underwater? Yeah, I think she got sent over to. Indonesia. No, no, no. She went <laughs> over to Texas, I think. Yeah, right. Somewhere over in the Gulf of Mexico to the US state and she got cut up and she's probably a bridge now or a bloody girl or somewhere. I yeah, don't know. Right. Yeah. So, and I did see photos of it when it was getting towed out of the harbour and it was, it was quite sad. I know that sounds silly, you know, but it's like, your home away from home, really. Yeah, yeah. It? And you see it and it's like they've like they just stripped it bare. So they've taken off the radar, they've taken off like guardrails, they've just pilfered so much shit off it. And you think, man, there you go. It's just getting just towed out. And there was no like fanfare. was wasn't in the news or wasn't in yeah. like, the, the papers. And it was just like, man, there it goes. But um, so that was cool. We went to my first overseas trip ever. Uh, we went to New Caledonia to Operation Croix de Sud, which was an uh, amphibious operation yep. with the French Navy over there, then the uh, Kerry Navy. And that was good. You know, it was, it was about a month away from home. We had a ship full of army soldiers from I think Townsville. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing on there, but we dropped them off for a week and 
we dropped north on Monday, picked up on Fridays, and we all went back out to uh, New Caledonia, New Mayor there. It's good fun. And then HMAS Newcastle, uh, shortly after in 20, 2012, I joined her, the end of 2012. Yeah, right. so. And these, these are frigates. Yeah, uh, Manura was a LPA, so a landing platform auxiliary. Yep. That was oh. around during Vietnam. So that's yeah, like right. we, so we call them fat ships. And the reason being like you're slow, they're comfortable. Which um, is not politically correct. No, and they have to call them um BMI ships now. <laughs> BMI 30, 31 ships. <laughs> and um so yeah, Manura was a was a slow ship. She was comfortable, but she was old. Like it was old as the hills. Newcastle, what wasn't much younger. It wasn't much newer, but it was more of a warship, you know, the first taste of warship, and um, that was cool. You know, you jump on board that, and, you know, it was, it was a sexy ship. You know, they still are now, but sadly they're all gone from our RN fleet. I think Indian Navy might have got one of ours, and I think some got sent back US to get, I don't know, they might have deals going on. They yeah. take them back home, I don't understand it. But Plenty yeah. of steel. Shit, four and a half thousand tons of steel. Yeah, that's and, what I mean. And sex appeal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, Newcastle went to Op Slipper in uh, April 21st. We left in uh, 2013. Yeah. And then we got back October 12th. So, yeah. So that was a trip to remember. That was my first overseas trip and everyone's excited. First deployment. Yeah, everyone's excited. deployment and uh, – Yeah, definitely. And everyone's excited because, like, the money factor, you get medals and just uh, you hear stories from your – from your mates and previous ships have gone to these ports and done these things. And, you know, it is an experience. And uh, sadly, they don't do golf trips now. They've, I canned them from what I've heard. I was chatting to some mates last yeah, week. Right. And, why, yeah, right. Why is that? Is that um, the China? US are just going to take over more now? Yeah, and, right. Well, in, interests are up north, apparently. China. China. Yeah, all our interests are up north trying to protect there. And the sad thing is now during uh, coronavirus is they can't step off the ship. Yeah, yeah, right. So they're away for a few months. I know a ship left the other week to go to San Diego, uh, a new DDG. I don't know the name of it. Sorry for everyone out there. But it's gone away for five months and they can't step. That's So basically they'll yeah. just dock up and just sit on the yeah. sit on the boat? And Basically, yeah. So. Yeah, right. That sucks. And like, if that was a non-COVID time, like they'll – They'll be going to obviously they'll probably bounce into Cairns or Townsville to get food and fuel before they jet back out again. And they'll be going to Guam. They, they would have been going to like some islands in the Pacific, um, Pearl Harbor for sure. Yeah. Then scooting down the east coast of America. The and west coast. How, of America, how fast do these uh, these big ships go? Uh, like how long would it take to get to? Obviously, you go to Cairns first to get your supplies and yeah, top up on fuel yeah. and whatever, and yeah. then then it's say sail mm. to San Diego. Okay. Well, I'd. I've never gone, gone that way around the world, but when we left Fremantle, went to Vijara, which is in uh, the Middle East, so it's in the UAE, but it's on the Indian Ocean side. Yeah. We're doing 11 days or 10 days. We're doing about 15 knots on the, on the same course of, like, just say there might be, like, three three zero zero the course, and we didn't see any other ships. That's heck. Saw plenty of dolphins, flying fish. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, one thing I remember of being on the Navy ships everywhere. the flying fish. Mate, they're like. And it, like, you know, before the first time I seen them, like, you only seen them in books. Yeah. You're like, are they real? Kid. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> fuck. <is it?" laughs> what's, but, his, what's his bird? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, mate, they are everywhere. And you might go through, like, a massive school of them and you see them all come out of the water. Yeah. And they, mate, yeah. sometimes they might just come up and straight back down. And other times they just glide for like tens of meters yeah, yeah right I'm like jesus wow yeah right so um let's uh let's touch on op slipper you know obviously your first yeah. deployment um supporting you know um JTF, operations yeah. yeah jtf 3633 yeah something like that yeah yeah you know, operations in the middle east basically or, you know southeast asia you could almost call afghanistan oh yeah definitely um so you know it what was the main the main role for you know the navy Intercept op slipper. Intercept drugs. So oh, I, fuck th- yeah. I think it did change. Yeah, <laughs> it did change, I think, in maybe 2000, oh, I want to say 2010, 2011, when they were doing a lot high profile boardings, if you want to call it, like a high level boarding. I think anything over three is a high level boarding where we've got to have either clearance divers or SAS or commandos on board. Yeah, right. Um, just for the factor of they. Intel knows that they have guns. Um, you can't put a steward or a bosun or a, or a cook there like bloody Steve. Steve's the girl under siege, you know. You can't <laughs> have some of that cruising around shooting people. Um, but, yeah, so I think after around about 2012, 2013, the mission of the RAN was to just do drugs. So the drugs coming out of Karachi. Do, do drugs or capture them? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> capture the drugs. <laughs> 
from uh, my understanding, they'll come out of Karachi and uh, they'll come from the northern borders of Pakistan through Afghan. Yeah, right. And they're getting tracked down and hit Karachi, which is the seaport in Pakistan, and they'll come down to Tanzania or maybe Kenya or Somalia or somewhere down there, and they um, dub that the smack track. Yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, so it was good. You know, we, we seen some – oh, sorry, we saw some pretty, pretty good ports. Uh, we went to Diego Garcia, coaching in, in India. We were there for like two days and like I'm not putting down India, but it was one of the filthiest places I've ever witnessed in my life. Yeah. It's just obviously it's a very poor country in, in a way like they just sort of don't – I don't want to say they don't care about the people, but it's just like the poor are poor and the rich are yeah. rich. No, it sounds like Afghanistan, Iraq. Yeah. Even Saudi Arabia, you know, even these some of these modern countries. UAE is the same. UAE is the same. Yeah, um, Dubai is nice, and then Abu Dhabi is beautiful. And then you go back in the streets like yeah. ten minutes, and it's ten minutes, half an hour, even into the, you know more into the desert. And it's just red, red shanty fern. towns. Yeah, man, through it, Toronto West. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so we basically just bounce around the ocean twenty eight days in our grid. You know, there's a um, maritime headquarters in Dubai. And they basically have like grids lined up for the coalition warships and just go, hey, just patrol here and here. And yeah. If something comes up in yeah. the area, go and get it. You know, if yeah. they want you to task something, go And there was it. just heaps of shit, like obviously coalition ships out there just patrolling yeah. their We'd never their saw zones. Them, Yeah. So everyone basically had their grid squares yeah. there to like, patrol in. And yeah, definitely. You're like, the ocean's a vast place. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah where's, what, where's Malaysian Airlines? Where is it? <laughs> Did you find it? Nobody knows. Exactly. That, yeah, where, where? That's how much space is out there. It's like people People look off the coast of like Newcastle or Sydney and see like yachts and ships and whatnot out there and go, oh, yeah. But little than that, like, the ships are probably like six, seven miles away and you're standing up high on a cliff face, so they might be a little bit further away that you can see them better. But when you're at sea, if you're on the bridge of a, of a frigate, you're about 10 metres above the waterline. And yeah. See about, it, what, what is the line of sight? Isn't it it's before about it starts curving? 14, or before it starts curving, I'm not sure, but we can see about 12 to 14 miles. Yeah. And then obviously the biggest ships like Hatchmaze Chules and the LHDs now, you can see a bit further. Yeah, right. But, so it kind of proves that the world's not flat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah unless you've been out and see, yeah. You know, you, you can see the curve. Yeah, de- definitely. Things disappear after a... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, back onto Opslipper. So it was it was good, you know. The captain we had, uh, I think he's I think he's now Commodore um, PJ O'Grady. We call him Red Beard behind his back. <laughs> he was he was he was pretty cool, you know. Uh, he was a good bloke, but uh, he was more intent of the sailors and the officers having a good time as well, as opposed to getting the mission done. Yeah. So he was good. He didn't want to pull in the same port twice, and uh, just ran right, right off the ports real quick. Went to Eritrea, which probably no one's ever. Freaking heard of? No, it sounds like the never-ending story. Uh, Djibouti, you heard, heard of Djibouti? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's basically Djibouti. I don't know the the story behind. Apparently, it's split to become Eritrea or Eritrea is the yeah, port yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it's near Ethiopia and Sudan, and we just cruise off the coast of um, Somalia, which was which was cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't see any um blokes and no, we didn't see any pirates unfortunately. But uh, where we saw were on look, the, look at me. I am the captain now. I think everyone quoted me that story. Like, what are you on over there, Shane? No, I'm looking for pirates. And everyone's like, look at me on the captain now. Um, and we pulled off and then we went into Tanzania and that was cool. You know, it's like it's like something that most, most people here in Australia don't do unless they go on safari or go do like uh, youth, youth work yeah, over there. Yeah, of course. And when we pulled into the to the harbour there, it was just like a massive fanfare. It was, it was quite narrow. We pulled in and there was a, a fishing port or a fishing village on one side and the other side was like the city. And there was about a thousand people just all like watching us come in. There's all these blokes in these skiffs um, and just like with like fishing nets and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. We pulled in and uh, yeah, it was cool. And we got leave and it was, it was quite hot and humid there. And I remember everyone was just like, this place, this place is wild. Like, I remember vividly there was this guy pushing around this small box trailer with like a bit of metal fencing across the top. And in the box trailer, he had a fire. And on top, he was cooking cooking food while wheeling around the streets. <laughs> um, I remember there was a soccer game. I think it was Tanzania versus Ivory Coast. And a few guys went to the, to the game and said it was just mayhem. Like, yeah. It was just like the same thing you see in like South, South America games. Yeah, like yeah, they've got yeah. fences up and they've got armed um, police. And, um, and yeah, it was cool. And one thing I noticed about the African community, they love biscuits. Oh, you went to the Mr. Price, which is like a Woolies or a Coles, and there was like a massive aisle just full of like 
um, dry biscuits like Arnott's nice. biscuits. Yeah, right. But they weren't Arnott's. They were like the Danish biscuits yeah, and stuff yeah, with yeah, sugar. Yeah. And it was just like, what are these guys loving, loving biscuits for? Yeah, it was cool. But um, as I said, you know, the captain was sick. Went then after the Tanzania, he went to the Seychelles, and no one's probably heard of that place either. No. So it's about a two day sail off the coast of Africa. And during during your sails, obviously, is it doing your job? Yeah. Slash, so, you know, yeah. patrolling slash whatever. Just doing it. So I'll just give you a yeah. quick rundown on that. So as a boatman, we're doing defence watches. So it's five hours on, seven hours off, and seven hours on, five hours off. So in those times off, you know, in your five hours off, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't have a shower and go to sleep because yeah. you got to eat. And, you know, by the time you eat and have a shower, you probably got three hours and you wake up feeling Back worse. Yeah. So you just go to the gym or you go to the mess and watch a, watch, watch telly or, or a movie with the boys. And we, we were picking up Foxtel. I wouldn't say Foxtel, but it was like the... Um, Middle East version. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we're getting stuff from uh, KSA, so that's Saudi Arabia yeah. and stuff. So we're getting both European stuff as yeah, well, of course. Which, is, which is awesome. So all the, all the football, rugby union, all the wrestling stuff. So, um, so yeah, so anyway, our defence watch is prize of being on the helm for an hour than being on the lookout. And up, the, up in the bridge? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. our job is a bosun. Uh, we're up on the bridge, really. We're on the helm and um, we're steering the ship. You know, the officer watches yeah, telling yeah. us the coordinates. Yeah, I got my helmsman ticket. Do you? Yeah, I got, it. I got it. And it's pretty funny because, like, you go into a new new class of ship and everyone, the officer the watch, you know, they might, might be junior or might be a little bit older, they might be transitioning to be a PY or be a navigator or probably get out of the Navy. Yeah. And you can tell the ones who can and the ones who don't. They always say, oh, do you have your FFG ticket? Do you have your um, LPA ticket? Do you have this? His tickets, oh mate, they're all the same. Yeah, that's all the it. Thr- throttles are there. The steering how, f- there. how funny is it that you know, um, it'd be like two o'clock in the morning, there's just like two junior, yeah, bosuns up controlling oh. just a frigate. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> you could s- literally do whatever you want. Yeah, and like the lady <laughs> or the, the girl, the guy steering the shit while he's in charge of is no, no older than, yeah, you that's what you. I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's just what? a whole bunch of kids up in a it is, mate. It is, <laughs> I, was, the ship. I was what I think on Manure, I was probably 19, yeah, and then the officer watch was no much older, and she yeah. was sleeping with another fe- female on board and oh, I remember no. that was getting up some naughty stuff up on the bridge there <laughs> and um, oh jeez yeah it was oh, hell geez. mate I've got some stories um, <laughs> but mate it was wild and like you think oh, who's letting all these kids run the run on the run the ships you know yeah. and what it's, what it's like though you know you get you get tasked with the job and or like a um, or a um, pro- I ought to say project in the Navy but you get given a job job task to do and you think Jesus Christ am I bloody qualified for this yeah right but you just get out there and do it and if, and if you break it you don't, you don't pay money for it you know yeah. you're just the Commonwealth you're there to spend money so did you um, catch any drugs drug unfortunately no I remember the captain was so gun ho of trying to catch drugs we Went aboard this Dow, um, like they called a, I forget the name of it, there's all, all different types of subs, Dow's for this size, and they basically just, um, tr- trucks of the sea that we, we got briefed on, and they just um, whole lot of cargo. One was full of chickens, one was full of like short wheelbase pajeros, one was full yeah, of cows, right. one was just stacked full of mattresses. It was, it was just wild. The shit that they cart across the sea, yeah, from like India to the Africas and to the Middle East, is just amazing. Anyway, the captain had like his own little stash of um, hash and stuff for like the crew. Yeah, and we took that off him, and it was no no bigger than like I don't know drug size, but no no bit like a golf golf ball size, yeah. you know. Yeah, and they're out there for months on end, and they're like, "Yeah, we got drugs," and everyone's just like, "Yeah." Come on, mate. Come on, mate. <laughs> Who cares? Like, <laughs> Gulp all sides. Who gives a shit? You know, we're after, we're after kilos. But yeah. funnily enough, um, ships that replaced us and ships that we relieved, because there's only one ship over there at a time, they all found drugs. So I think HMAS Melbourne replaced us in 2013, and they got suddenly in like the high hundred, nearly like a ton of drugs. All yeah, up. right. Like Far phenomenal, out. phenomenal. And then I went again in 2015 on HMAS Success, and we didn't get drugs again. But ships either side of us, so the ships we, we relieved got drugs, and the ships that replaced us yeah. got drugs, but yeah, we didn't right. get anything again. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just the non Was there a banana son. on the boat? Maybe. <laughs> There's always, always bananas <laughs> on the boat. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the fact that we didn't get any drugs, you know, and everyone was like, we're going to get drugs. Intel's good. We're going to get drugs. And yeah. We had suspicion that, um, this boat that left Karachi might have had the drugs inside the diesel tank. So they might've yeah. had another sub or another cell yeah, yeah, in the yeah. diesel tank though. It's bad Intel. And it was the same oh. thing like in the army, mate. Like when we were in Timor, even Afghanistan, they'd be like, uh, <laughs> there's a suicide bomber in town. And he's in a white uh, King size uh, bed to- Toyota Corolla, and he's wearing a black <laughs> robe. And we're like, "You fucking serious? Is this the best Intel you've got? Because everyone in that town has got a white Corolla and a black robe or a brown robe on." It's like, come on. It's the same as these boats. They all paint them like fancy colours and like designs. They look 
cool, you know. And yeah. mate, there's got to be thousands of these dows across the Africas, across like India, across to like old Dubai Harbour. Because I went to Dubai Harbour, the old part, and there's just hundreds of these dows. And you think, I wonder which ones have been boarded by Australian vessels in the last 20 years yeah. or the last 15 years, should I say, 10 years. Um and like vice versa, and how many like coalition ships have done these, and what do they found them? I'm sure they all they know the drill, but they all do. You know, when you go on board a ship, or they see so you coming, they all just know the drill to get up the front of the ship or like the dow and just do their thing. Um, but yeah, so Op Slipper was it was good. We went during summer, which was ridiculously hot. Mm. Uh, Bahrain is probably the hottest place I've ever been in my life, and it's still yeah. today. You know, people. Is, um, that story you told us a while ago about uh, the. Big giant rope or, you know, cable that got oh, yeah, ripped yeah. in. The, was that in Bahrain somewhere, was it? Yeah, that was off the coast of uh, Saudi Arabia. Tell us, uh, so we were heading that. up to Jordan, actually, in the Red Sea. And um, so the Red Sea, people for not known, is between Africa and Saudi Arabia. It's a strip of water that heads up to the Suez Canal. We went through the Suez Canal. Mm. Take that off the bucket list. Anyway, this uh, rope that, that got caught around it, and propeller. We were going, like I said, we're heading up to uh, Jordan, and it was probably about oh, 11.30 at night, just... Come on, we just come off watch, or we're about to come off watch. And I went, went to my father. I had a, I had a shower and whatnot, laying in bed, and, and like a, the ships just echo. You can hear, hear noises through them, you know. And you know something's wrong, and you hear the, hear the turbines spooling mm. up. We hear them slowing down. You hear the ventilation just crashed up because the, because there's a fire or they're doing exercise, toxic hazard or something. But this it just sounded different. I was like, oh, what's that? Anyway, I heard someone coming down the like the stairwell or the ladder bay, and I heard heard the thump and cut around them off to my rack. And I was thinking, oh, fuck. And they go, yeah, Cord, are you awake? I was like, yeah. They're like, yeah, mate, get, go upstairs. You're getting, you're getting dressed. You're going diving. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, just, just, got, just got told. From, and that was like at midnight or something, this, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about after a little bit after midnight now. And I remember Marco, who was a clearance diver on board, and I was just a ship diver, so I was just a dirty, dirty ship diver. So I was just a crash course diving like two weeks. That had not completed a few years ago. Um, so Marco and I went in the water and we went down and investigated and we saw that there was this massive rope as thick as your leg around our propeller and around our prop yeah. shaft. And like the propellers are, are absolutely massive. I got a photo when I'm home, I'll put it up on our Instagram. And um, they are, and it was just wrapped around and you think to yourself, oh, right, oh, cool. So long story short, we dove down the next morning because um, we were adrift at sea. Like we didn't have any modes of, um, pr- propulsion except for our bow thrusters which were just keeping us like trying to keep us in into the wind so we didn't go um, side onto the wind yep. and just get smashed by the waves so we're trying to use them to crawl forward and not get pushed on the rocks and whatnot but anyway crosses averted we got it got it free that afternoon after about six seven hours of probably, probably even longer just trying to get it free and everyone's like oh the ship's lost its rope and stuff and I was like no the rope sink because I know yeah yeah been, been a, so it was a stitch up I think Obviously. it was a stitch up and I, I actually questioned the captain I, I didn't question him sorry I sort of just put it forward to him I said do you think maybe someone's put it there to like trip up a uh, like oil tanker or yeah. a container ship and they're like don't be stupid Cordale how far like, how like how far from a shoreline was it well, it was. It wasn't close to the shoreline. It was just like out in the middle of nowhere, really. Mm. And like I know for a fact, those not some sink and some don't. Depend what they're made yeah. of, you know. But the majority of them sink now. But yeah. the new ones now are made of dynamber and like all these other synthetic yeah. ropes, so they stay float. But I remember when we were looking down trying to um, cut it free, I did see a um, bomby come like a, like a reef. And I remember seeing all these fish. And I went up and popped back up to the surface and the nap navigator was there far enough. And I said, oh, ma'am, do you know that there's a reef below? She's like, how far? And I was like, yeah. Five meters from the bloody keel. <laughs> she's like, "What?" And she was freaking out. Yeah, because right. it's uncharted waters up there. And like, it's we probably drifted a fair whack overnight. But on our on our nav plan, they could probably say, "Oh, we're we're still a long way from shore." But if no one's like surveyed that that water yeah. for quite some yeah. time, you know, yeah. So that was pretty pretty yeah, well. Right. Yeah. So post um, op slipper, you get back to HMS Cuttable there. Yeah, right. um, I was still on board HMS Newcastle, done a few weeks away with Navy Rugby and Defence Rugby, so that was cool. Um, fast forward the following year, went away again on Op Manitou on HMS Success, which was an oil tanker. Uh, I've got some pretty cool stories I'll touch in that next episode. Um, come back, then went straight up to a TAR security element up in Darwin. Uh, yeah. That was a tri-service, so Navy, Army, Air Force doing- TSC. Yeah, that's it, TSC, border protection. So that was fun, you know, for being up in Darwin for a few months and just just living living the yeah. drop out life. Barracuda barracks. No, we had a Barrima. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, which was cool, you know, yeah. out on the uh, Stuart Highway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was cool. And I'd come back and I'd join HMAS Chules uh, and then I got out- 
and then I yeah I got out in 2017 of June 2017. Why'd, why'd you get out? Just had enough. Yeah, I think it was just a bad day at sea that day, and everything just built up the last six seven years, and I was just like I'm just over it because it's it's hard. Like we all hate jobs, so. Some of us hate how the job we're in, you know, with the Defence Force, it's constantly, I don't know if it's about the, about the Army's the same, but the Navy, you always promise the world, but you don't, you only, you get like a, a small island and it's just like, you always, <laughs> you always get let down, you know, you think, yeah, we're going to pull in Friday and then it's like, oh, we've got to stay at sea because we've got to go help this other ship do yeah, work up. No, the Army's the same, mate. Was, you get you get stitched up. Huh? It was a land full of empty promises. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I took the... I took that next next step that we all talk more about, and I left the uh, defence force in June 2017, and it was it was hard to leave. Um, I was only chatting to another another sailor that I was starting to serve with, and he was just like, "Yeah, mate, it's it's." I sort of miss it. I said, "I do too." And everyone I speak to, we all we all say the same thing: yeah. we miss it because of the boys, because oh, of, course, of like, yeah. the fun, you know. It's um, not. It's not a job. It's not the army, mate. It's not a job. It's, no, it's literally a lifestyle, a lifestyle mate. It's, and yeah, it's yeah. I you know, say this to people: you could be the worst sailor, soldier, airman, officer, as long as you have a clean record, you keep your nose clean. Yeah, they can't kick you out you to look, your fifty-five. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're getting paid. There's well. people like that too. Yeah, there is hundreds of like that, and you th- look back and go, "He was a smart one." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right, Matt. We'll swing over to your um, early years and your time. Yeah, right. All the, right. Well, um, green. So I, I grew up in uh, in Brisbane, Queensland. And uh, Mighty Broncos supporter. Not really Mighty anymore. <laughs> Don't get me started. Um, and, you know, it wasn't too good at school. was in a bit of trouble, you know, my younger days. And breaking into the chip factory, stealing Tarza. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, you, yeah. You've never told me That this. was a good story. Tarzos. <laughs> I had unlimited Tarzos. <laughs> unlimited. I remember actually one day the police pulled us up and gave them fake names and stuff and wrote off on their pushies. You traded Tarzos with them. Traded Tarzos. <laughs> and, you know, went to school in Brisbane uh, near the Woolen, next to Woolloongabba Primary School and then uh, went to high school, Cavendish Road, Cav Rough, uh, for some of the people that are listening. And, um, you know, wasn't wasn't too good at school, didn't enjoy it, hated it. But the funny thing is I always talked about joining joining the army and uh, the teachers used to say, you, you'll never, you'll never get in. You'll, they wouldn't take you, you know, because I was the class clown. Like if there was something <laughs> yeah. happening in the class, it was me. <laughs> did you do, did you do year 12 or year 10? I finished year 12, yeah. Oh, wow. Finished year 12. Didn't do good, but I finished year 12. And then from there, uh, you know, at that time I was pushing trolleys as well on the side mm. as the first job and then um, started doing, you know, a few little uh, other jobs, picked up an apprenticeship as a, a mechanic. So I did about two or three years of, probably two years of uh, the mechanic work and then uh, 2001, September 11 happened. Mm. And uh, for someone, you know, you know, that uh, grew up around that, that era, it was, uh, it was a surreal moment. And obviously at that stage it was all over the news and movies were coming out. Was, oh, definitely. You know, Tears of the Sun and all this type of, you know, cool Navy SEALs movies. Yeah. Like, Fuck, I want to. I want to do this, you know. I want to. I want to be a badass. So actually, that was the, you know the main reason why I joined the army was uh, September 11. So I ended up joining the army, and um, uh, when I first uh, applied, actually there was no uh, room for full time soldiers. Obviously, Singo was just jam packed at that stage because it because um, of the cause everyone everyone just wanted to join at that well, stage. Yeah, right. And it was uh, you know post uh, the first appointment back. From uh, East Team, uh, East Team, or that stage too. Yep. So a lot more people were trying to get in and uh, get recruited. So I ended up joining Choco's first, and uh, that's was, our reserve soldiers for reserve soldiers. Yeah. So, oh, but I was lucky enough to go straight onto full time service, which is pretty rare. Straight after your Choco time, I stra- straight just as oh, I okay, become right. a Choco. Yeah, so I was put straight into full time service. Oh, so it was. I was pretty lucky with that. Um, and from there, you know, we, uh, it was, you know, reserves are actually, you know, if you, if you're not into going into full time reserves are the, you know, thing to get into, you know, part time yeah. every Tuesday, I was lucky enough to go to Singapore with the reserves as well, which is pretty cool. Went there for three weeks and did a training exercise with the Yanks and, um, Kiwis and Malaysians. How did you get for that? Uh, yeah. we won, we won like a competition, like a, like, a, um, the skills competition yeah, right. between all the other reservists and it was like. Ten other sections, and yeah, we end up winning it. It's like full, yeah. You know, that's bloody. Sick. Oh, it's funny because it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my fucking life. We literally walked about a hundred k's. I reckon it was it was shit, and we did all the ops course and all that, all those little games yeah. and stuff. Yep. So it was you know, it was actually pretty cool. And then uh, basically from there, uh, um, did op relax. That was my first operation. Was uh, obviously with, with the navy. Yeah. Um, 
doing the boarding parties up in the North Australian waters. Yeah, yeah. Spent a bit of time on uh, HMAS Stewart and yeah. Arunta. Yeah, the two FSHs. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. A, a German class. Yeah, and actually I've got to find yeah. out the patrol boats. There's probably about three or four patrol boats. Yep. And a customs boat as well that we're oh, on. happy days. And, uh, like a cruise ship. We spent a bit of time. What uh, <coughs> ships did you serve on during your time with uh, Op Relics? Ships. Yeah. Uh, Stuart and Arunta. Right. So I'm pretty sure I sailed from, well, obviously most of it was out of out, out, out of uh, Darwin, yep. Larrakia Barracks, and then from there we sailed from Darwin to Christmas Island. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. so out of that TSC element, there was an element that had to stay on Christmas Island for a Two or three months and at the detention center. Yeah, yeah. On, uh, down the bottom. Okay. It was not to deal with the detention center, but to be like watch for illegal immigrants. Oh yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so we yeah. used to cruise around on the on the island in these yeah, rav. Yeah. They gave us these rav fours. The island's tiny. Yeah, yeah, we just cruise around rav four with a pistol on your hip, just just That's driving, just sick. smashing through the bushes. And did you see those crabs everywhere? Oh like man, crabs? they're hectic. Yeah, they're everywhere. Literally, there's that they're one part of the year where they're just. I guess breeding. Like, Are they breeding or they going to the water? What are they doing? Oh, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure they go up there to breed or go to the water to breed. I don't know. David but they're every, Yeah, they're everywhere. Like, literally, yeah. you can't walk without walking on them. Really? It was that, like, it's just like a thick carpet of cra- – it's intense. And then they got those big, giant coconut crabs. Oh, yeah, well. the monsters. Yeah, they're oh, crazy. Like crazy. demons. But, uh, yeah, so I did uh, Op Relax, um, did a few boarding parties with the Navy because, obviously – the navy needed the, the <laughs> army. To, can you hold? Can you can you hold our hands, please? So we did, and we held their hands and boarded the you know these boats with them. Oh, shit. Um, picked up a few ice boats. Yep. Um, you know uh, there was a lot of legal what fi- ice boats. Uh, fishing boats. L- little fish, legal okay. fishing boats. Right. Obviously, a lot out there, man. Like there was, I've got heaps of photos. Oh yeah. You know of um, you know shark fins and those are just. Boxes just full of shark fins. Oh, the brutal, it's mate. crazy, oh, mate. It's good that they've shut down and you know, a lot yeah. of that stuff and uh, stamped, stamped down on it. And, um, yeah, so post uh, Op Relax, I was lucky enough to get uh, – uh, it turned out my section commander that was on uh, Op Relax, she ended up um, working for Schema, which Schema is like the – you know the Like a build cell? Head, uh, yeah, it's like the headquarters of yeah. the admin for the army. Oh, gotcha, right. So she basically just – you know, got my paperwork and slid it straight onto the table where it needed to go, and within weeks, I was bang. You, know, you got the call up. You're going full time, full time army, which I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So now getting uh, getting the call, getting back on the on the bus, uh, heading to Singo. Did uh, ten weeks at Singo here in the, the sunny Hunter Valley. Not really <laughs> sunny right now, but did you do it during winter or summer? It was winter, so I remember like Jesus. it was freezing. Just jumping in the bear pit and getting out and your nuts are gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just hiding, <laughs> shriveled up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then uh, I remember you – know, So you ben, spent ten, 10 weeks up at Singo? Yeah, 10 weeks at Singo. Yeah. Singo and then um, – What did you learn of there? Sorry, mate. Mate, so that's obviously I, uh, um, IET, so initial employment training. So that, you know, that teaches you everything about your trade, as you said before, with, you, you know, you being a bosun, but, you know, more for infantry, so gotcha. all infantry tactics. Um yeah, learning all the infantry stuff, you know, blowing up shit and kicking doors in and blowing up more shit and shooting shit. Clearing rooms. Yeah, and getting drunk. Room clearing yeah, experts. And, and learn, <laughs> learning how to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so from there, basically, you know, during Singo, they give you the, you, the, you know, the choice, you know, where, where do you, which battalion do you want to go to? You get your three preferences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to go back to Brisbane just because it was, you know, my home hometown. Etc. And six hour hours up there at that time. And um, I remember the section commander. He's like, uh, you know, who wants to earn an extra hundred bucks a four? And I'm like, oh fuck yeah, you've got me at hello. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> so I put my hand up. He's like, paratrooper. I'm like, damn. What, what do you mean? What, what are you talking about? What does that I'm, do? Through my mind, I'm just looking. You know, just flicking through my mind about the world wars and D-Day landings, D-day landings and stuff. I'm like, fucking hell, is this what I'm going to do? So I ended up, yeah. It was probably about you know, six or seven of us and the rest were all split out together. All the, everyone you know, went yeah. to different battalions. So there was about six of us and we ended up getting posted to Sydney. And then uh, obviously Sydney being Sydney, crazy, hectic. We got posted to Holsworthy Barracks as uh, part of the 3rd Battalion, Royal Australian Regiment. And... Um, Obviously, a paratrooper. So I ended up doing the the paratrooper stuff and uh, getting down to jump course down in Nara. Oh, yeah. um, Is it the Albatross? Albatross. Yeah, Albatross. Yeah. yeah. So that's where we do all the air base. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, um, and what, you were jumping out of uh, C-17s? No, C-130s. What are they, the Hercs? Hercules. Yeah. Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> What's that off? <laughs> oh, was, uh, uh, Eddie? No, it's off. No, it's, it's off Hercules. No, it's not. I'll, I'll text you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I think it's a Martin Lawrence it's film. A cartoon. Anyway, yeah. we're off track now. Hercules. <laughs> um, yeah, so I uh, did that and then obviously got my wings, which is, you know, uh, yeah, it's a, it was a big thing back then, you know, being a paratrooper. Yeah, you get to wear the uh, maroon beret. Bit of a flex, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's a like, different, you know, yeah. different beret. Uh, the whole, the rest of the, you yeah. know, if special forces, and then we had our own. We don't want to get the maroon beret um, mixed up with the coxswains. Yeah, also with the military police. Yeah, red. Yeah, the, the red red hats. Yeah, the, yeah, the crap hats. <laughs> uh, so, what did you uh, to get quelled? What did you have to do? A certain amount of hours of jumping, or I, mean, I think night into did, I, to be honest, I can't really remember. But I, know, I remember it was probably a two week or three week course, and obviously it's just a three week, two three week uh, intensive course of yeah. learning how to jump out of an airplane. So you know, like full like for the first two weeks, you literally it's dry. So you're jumping out of fake planes out of the, you know off the ground. Yeah. They got this tower with a with a, you know, like a, you slide down a type thing and you yeah. practice your landings on the ground and stuff. And yeah, so I ended up, uh, obviously get my, my wings and then, you know, obviously once you get back to your battalion, then you can put your wings on your, yeah. on your pollies, on your yeah, ceremonial definitely. dress and then on your, you know, on everything, just wings everywhere. So yeah, yeah. just like an airborne God type thing. Yeah, yeah. And then we started doing a whole bunch of exercises, jumping in and stuff. And then I ended up, um, uh, busting myself pretty hard in 2000, 2006. Had a bust up. Yeah, yeah, I had a bust out a couple of stingrays, and um, <laughs> yeah, uh, busted my shoulder pretty bad, and it was it was a shit timing too because um, you know two thousand five, two thousand six, we were two thousand six, we were starting to deploy to Timor and um, Solomon Islands, and then Iraq was there as well. So I kicked off in two thousand three, did it? Or yeah, oh, well, two thousand two, uh, but I think three uh, hour was one of the first ones that we did. We got two thousand three, and then two thousand six was the next one. And mm. I was in Alpha Company at that stage, and Alpha Company was going to Iraq. Happy days. And then fucking CLL me, bust myself on a parachute jump. So bang, that just rules oh, me out. Of, that ruled me out of Iraq. Uh, Timor, Solomon. Oh, yeah. So everyone's like flying around the world, like just getting gongs being, and cash. Just getting gongs and cash and buying oh. HSVs when they get back. Jet skis and Townsville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm stuck in uh, Broken Platoon with the rest of the, you know, there's a whole oh. bunch of malingerers in there, like, yeah. oh, I've got a sore angle. And I, you know, I dislocated my shoulder pretty bad and ended up having multiple surgeries that year yeah. for reconstruction. And so it took the whole year, pretty much 2006, for recovery. You know, in saying that, you know, for the best thing about the Army was. Recovery, like your medical, your dental, everything's oh, covered. Yeah. So, mate, the medical was the Love best. Love the perk for for defence force. Exactly. And my surgeon was the surgeon that did does all the wallabies at that stage. Oh, he's That's probably even retired now. He's probably like ninety now. Yeah. But um, yeah, he did all the wallabies uh, shoulders as well. So you know, good yeah. faith in him. He's done well. Happy I'm, still, I'm still moving now. Yeah. So um, after your injury, what happened after you got recovered? So after I recovered, I remember. Uh, you know, Timor was still kicking off. Um, yeah. Afghanistan was starting to kick off, uh, and uh, Iraq was still going. And uh, in 2007, um, Bravo Company, I was still in. Actually, I, I got posted to uh, Mortar Platoon, so I did Mortar's course, and uh, yes, yep. ended up becoming a Mortarman. This is before I got injured, actually, and um, did Mortars as a specialty in a support company, and was one of the fastest number ones. If anyone's out there listening, eight zero boys, I was one of the fastest. What's that like to get get off your back, it's set it up? Basically, the guy that's uh, controlling the dialing. I, mean, it I don't in. even know what it's called anymore. Like, to like dial it that in. old. To like to you send the yeah, news like yeah 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 yeah. C two site. That's it. It's a C two okay. site. Now it's starting to flood back. Yeah. Wow. And uh, yeah, so Timor was coming up, and Bravo Company was getting deployed. It was the presidential elections for Ramos Horta. I'm pretty sure. Okay. At that stage, and obviously Timor kicked off again. There was just like looting and riots through the street, yeah, and they're just yeah. going nuts. So uh, Bravo Company got stood up to go, and obviously they were short. Uh, you know, they were, I think they were short about ten guys. So they've you know obviously asked the other companies, and they've asked you know our company. And I'm like, yep, put me on. I haven't been on a trip yet. Send me, send put me. Put me on. Put me on. Yeah. So I ended up yeah. going up to the Bravo Company. He's like. Uh, the, to see the OC and he's like, if you can do, you know, I know you just, I know you just had a shoulder surgery and et cetera. Yeah. If you can do 50 push-ups. 50. Um, yeah. If you can do 50 push-ups, I'm like, fucking, here we go. I just banged out 50. I was in so much pain. Didn't show it. Bang, straight to Timor. Tough as nails. Yeah. So I ended up a couple of months, a few months in Timor, which is pretty crazy. Quick couple of stories from Timor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Timor was uh, good, you know. Obviously, my first first um, real deployment with it, you know, Styre and you know all the ammo yeah, and yeah. All, all the tear gas and stuff. And, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, all all that shit. You know, just yeah. looking cool, yeah, looking cool with all the kit and um, the rights were going on. We we're just cruising around the streets doing a bit. Of, it was it was all peacekeeping at the end of the you day. You guys were cruising around the Aslavs? No, we just had, uh, had four Bs and uh, oh, right, six yeah. Bs. Yeah, just cruising around and um, just patrolling around. Most of it was on foot as well, obviously. Yeah. Were you, was it ever any any um, deaths for the Australian Defence Force? No, not 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 while I was there. I know there's been a couple of accidents. Yeah, so nothing nothing like a two way range happening. No, no, okay. no. So um, yeah, and uh, you know, Timor was one of those eye openers, and you know, there's a few little crazy little stories. Mm. Um, what was I remember you, you were saying one ages ago when we first met one of your mates through the gas canister. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about that one again. So that guy is uh, located here in uh, Newcastle as well, one of my good friends. So uh, <laughs> no one liked the CSM. Obviously, he was second in charge of the company, Yeah, company sergeant major. Not even the OC. I don't think the OC liked him. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so someone's uh, acquired a you know, tear gas grenade and thought it'd be fun to wow. fucking get him back. So he's up in this tower. Like Obviously, we're in a bus station. We've take, taken over a bus station has turned into a – into a Ford operating base and he's up in the tower and sleeping and, you know, old mate's knocked on the door and said, um, housekeeping, you know, <laughs> housekeeping <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, tossed the tear gas grenade in there and bang, you know, off, off Man, went. That's he's madness. come stumbling down the stairs and, you know, to cut it all short, you know, the MPs were called and at that stage I was there by myself because I was actually uh, out teaching, um, English. <laughs> Of all things, for a week, I stabbed to do it. And another one of those things, who wants to do a 4B course? And I'll put my hand up. Yep, you're teaching English to Timorese kids. I'm like, fuck. I can't even speak right, it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a for apple. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I was there by myself. And the rest of my section were uh, John Howard. Uh, eyebrows. Yeah, eyebrows landed in. So uh, the rest of the boys were at the uh, airport uh, looking after his plane and obviously yes. securing the area. Yeah. So I was stuck, uh, you know, teaching English. And um, <laughs> MPs are banging on the door and and the long story short, we're all out the front, you know, and I'll stand you know, near my mate and he's just like, they'll never catch me. I was wearing gloves. Like what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Sorry? Yeah, sweet. <laughs> let's just shut up and let's just – But, uh, yeah, I, I can't really remember what else happened, you know, with that, but I don't think much did, but, yeah, it was – one of those crazy times in that trip. And, you know, another funny story from that trip too, you know. Um, this is the priest? Yeah, the priest, yeah. man. I had this priest rock up <laughs> to the front gate, you know, of an FOB, you know. you know, I wouldn't say a war was a, a peace, you know, but still, you know. In a, in it's a, hostile. In a, in, a, in a different country yeah. and a priest rocks up and my boss comes up and goes, oh, there's a priest at the front gate and he's asking for Matthew Morris. I'm like, the fuck are you talking about, boss? He goes, there is a fucking priest at the front gate that wants to see him like, fuck. And then obviously through my mind, I'm just like, fucking, someone's died from yeah, home. And type thing, mum's dead, dad's dead. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And uh, they come in and he's like, oh, uh, your mum sent us here. I'm like, what? And it turns out, you know, my mum was at that stage uh, working at like a um, a place of worship and she basically was a caretaker for all these priests and stuff. They, oh, right, okay. It was like a, a spot where they all stop and then they all go to another yep. one and they live there as well. And she was like a caretaker and obviously she's still there now, like 25 years later or something. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, it turned out she sent them to check on me because they, they were already there. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing their – So he was a civilian priest? He yeah, he's a civilian priest, yeah, like yeah. teaching – Teaching school. God, yeah, teaching school, school, God, you God somewhere else in Timor, in Dili somewhere, and yeah, and they ended up finding out where I was and what did he say just rocked up on the doorstep. He's like, oh, I, I remember we, we did take a picture, but again, all these pictures on my laptop somewhere, but yeah, it was just yeah, crazy. You think yourself, what the hell does he want? Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah, post-Timor, obviously at that stage, uh, Afghanistan started rolling out. We got word that Afghanistan was coming to three area. What year was this, mate? Uh, 2008. Yep, sorry. Um, back Timor from end of 2007 and then uh, we get the word that, you know, there's going to be a company get selected for Afghanistan and then it was, you know, I got posted back to a support company after Bravo Company, which is good because Bravo Company sucked. So good. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, got put back down in a support company, back to Mourners and funnily enough, you know, I think it was the end of the year parade, last day of the year basically before leave and the CEO's come out and going, support company gets Afghanistan and everyone's like, yeah. Just going crazy, just going yeah, fuck yeah, yeah Afghanistan, we're going to war, fuck yeah, let's let's do it. Isn't it isn't it funny that 
they're excited to go to war. Oh, mate, but well, that's what you train for. Exactly. Like, you don't, you don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like any other job. It's not like they've just got a lot of uh, kid from Coles off the street because of, like, conscription. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, obviously, the next year we come back from um, leave and we get cracked straight back into it. Straight back into training, getting fit again, and obviously all sweating out all that piss over, over the Christmas period. Jockeys. Yeah, and um, trained up in uh, uh, Brisbane, Gympie area, Shoalwater Bay. Oh, yep, yep. Um, a lot of it was out of just out of Brisbane, which worked out well because obviously I'm from Brisbane, all my family and stuff were there. And then, uh, yeah, mate, and then we had our parade and deployed uh, April 2008. Yeah, wow. To Afghanistan, which was uh, awesome. We actually flew out of Brisbane too, which, you know, again, my, my well. family was all yeah. there. Mum's just in tears going, fuck. Yeah, my mum was like that as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mum, what, what yeah. are you doing? yeah. And uh, yeah, mate. So obviously spent um, what, seven months in Afghanistan. Yeah, uh, Tarrant Cat. You know, spent a lot of time out in the Baluchi Valley, and you know, doing doing those um, doing you know patrolling doing, patrolling around and doing army things, doing army things. And yeah. uh, you know, we'll put all those stories for you know for the for our next uh, yeah. episode. I'm sure, you got ourselves. a lot more stories than I do, mate. Of uh, plenty of stories, plenty but, of stories. Um, we'll just wrap it up quickly. Ben, uh, what year did you leave the? Leave the green and why and what did you do and how did we come? To yeah, this? so I left, uh, moved to Newcastle two thousand nine. Decided to leave the army. It was just you know I suppose my injury started getting a bit sore and it was just yeah, like yourself, mate. You just get to that edge where you're like, you know what, fuck it, I'm I'm, yeah, I'm done. Tipping I'm, point. I've got to move yeah. on to something else. Ended up getting out, becoming a bouncer up in Newcastle, getting into the security and uh, you know from. From starting on the doors, you know, I moved into doing a bit of uh, bodyguard work, which was, you know, pretty lucky. And, you know, a lot of the bodyguard work I started off with, I was just doing driving. I was just a, yeah. I was in the luggage car, you know, I was just yeah, building right. my way up to becoming the, you know, the main uh, CP, you know, yeah. close protection operator. Cool. And, um, yeah, so I did, did all that bodyguard stuff, did a bit of canine handling. As yeah, well. yeah. So, yeah, well, I'm trained uh, canine handler for uh, explosive detection. and That's cool. Yeah, uh, attack, uh, I shouldn't say attack dogs, uh, bite dogs and stuff. And, yep. uh, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, from there, basically, I stepped up a notch and started doing, you know, bodyguard jobs yeah. by myself or, you know, in a team. And I was, you know, the, the main bodyguard for, you know, a whole bunch of celebrities and uh, executives, a lot of executives, yeah. a lot of executives. And, so, um, what are they People who are quite wealthy, but people don't Just, know what Yeah, they. mega wealthy people. Yeah. Okay. You know, owners of, you know, like Westfields, um, owners of... Uh just you know, just, just rich, mega, rich people, mega rich people, yeah. and, and you looked uh, after Taylor Swift when she was here. I was on the local team. Okay, cool. But I've, I've done you know, uh, Nicole Kidman, Keith Urban, uh, Jonas Brothers, Jonas, Nick Jonas, yeah, all yeah. that, all that, and uh, heaps more, heaps more, a lot of big, big great uh, celebrities as well. And then you went bodyguarding in a more hostile environment. Yeah, so yeah. from there, I actually ended up going to Mexico for a bit and doing a, a short stint in Mexico. That's it, uh, and that was. Technically, my first hostile environment one, and it was an executive protection role. So, you know, first time I had a gun, bodyguard. Bad, bad place, Mexico. Yeah, it was a bad old place. And yeah. to be honest, I don't think – I look back now and I'm like, fucking hell, what a wank. Like, why, yeah. why did you do that? Was, money like, good or was it – Oh, was money it? was hectic. Money yeah. was hectic, but not even that. It was a foot in the door at that stage well, too. Was it was more of an experience than what I was Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, it was, you know, it was a good couple of weeks there and learned a lot and, you know – Touching that got, after, got yeah, bit we'll of, turn next next episode. Yeah, got got a bit got into a bit of trouble there. Yeah, cool. Um, well, and then cool, but yeah, yeah awesome. and then from there, you know, I started. Uh, I actually started touring with uh, Nitro Circus as well. Yeah, definitely. So while concurrently I was, you know, doing all this executive and bodyguard stuff, I was doing the you know, the bodyguard and safety work for Nitro Circus as well. And how did you get world. started in that? Because that's obviously I just got asked one. Field. Just got asked one day. You know, in 2013, actually, I did my first show in here in Newcastle and Sydney, and then. Um, yeah, from there I just started touring the next 2014, started touring with them. Yeah. And with Travis Ostrana and Streetbot Tommy, Jolene. And, and obviously over the years they've bigger and bigger and bigger. And bigger. Yeah, mate, they've just gotten massive and, you know, I'm still with them now. You know, yeah. I'll be with them in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you're up in Brisbane for the manager? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, mate, and then from there basically, uh, you know, was – Doing all the, I was still bouncing at this stage too. Like every time I come back to Newcastle, yeah. I'll just get back on the doors back at King Street and Fanny's King and Street. yeah, man. Like I was still, still, you know, still bouncing, still hustling, getting the, the money. Of like the um the hospital world, you know, you can sort of b- bounce around, you know. It's yeah. Post um Mexico, uh, I can- continued on with the hostile stuff and moved into you know uh, uh, Baghdad. Yep. Um, spent a couple of years in Baghdad at the Australian Embassy 
yeah. you know, doing protection for the Australian ambassador and the New Zealand ambassador and all any government diplomat that come yeah. to Baghdad, which is pretty cool because I got to travel around Iraq as well. Like, oh, definitely. I went out to uh, Kurdistan as well, and it's not even a country, but you know, I went to Kurdistan. Yeah, okay. And uh, you know, Erbil and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool, and did that, and then obviously. Um, from there, I moved to – got the opportunity to go uh, back to Afghanistan, you know, and obviously right. as soon as I got that, I was like, yeah, 100% I'll go back to Afghanistan. So I ended up in Kabul doing the exact same thing yep. for the Australian Embassy, but just cruising around um, Kabul, you know, a couple of guys and land cruisers cruising around yeah. with diplomats, which is, you know, pretty cool. Um, from there, you know, got pretty crook at one stage, had a couple of blood clots in my liver, Shit. which basically pulled the pin on my uh, PSD side of things because, yeah. you know, I was, I was on blood thinners and stuff and, yeah, yeah. If, you know, if I got shot or stabbed or whatever. Or, Came over. Yeah, you, you know, they say you'd bleed out. You, you don't bleed, bleed out quicker. She just doesn't bleed. Clot. Yeah. doesn't clot. Doesn't so you because I'm on the, on the blood thinner. So that kind of added my PSD side of things, which is probably a blessing in disguise at the end of the day because yeah. I was starting to get a bit hairy. And, it was know, hostile just, over there as well? Oh, mate, bangs yeah. every – you know, there was – Plenty of bang. Yeah. Plenty of bang for your buck. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, so I got back and uh, started uh, Two Raven Security. Yeah, and that's how uh, – But I actually that. started Two Raven Security in Baghdad. I was uh, – Did you really? On a dry contract. I was drunk one night. Me and the original business partner, um, uh, Jimmy Dugan, 69, he likes to call himself. It's his – He's over in the West, isn't he? Yeah, yep. yeah. It's not his real name, but that's okay. his uh, – Jimmy his, Dugan, 69. That's Jimmy his Dugan. hotmail that's account. His when he was in year six. Was his hotmail account. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we started this – one night we just got absolutely drunk in baggers and yeah. we were just like, fuck, let's start a security company. Got on the ASIC and registered a company and bang, Two Raven Security was, what, was what created. name? Because everyone asked that. It's just a – you know, it's just um, – you know, in the army, mate um, – we run off, you know, a lot of the, you know, the Norse uh, culture, you know, the, the yep. Vikings with uh, the yeah, Valhalla, yeah. Yes. you know, when you die. And that's, you know, that's the way we see things. They were the epitome of warriors, those those Vikings. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely crazy. So a lot of that come off that. And, um, yeah, obviously Two Ravens was uh, sitting on Odin's uh, shoulder. Yeah. He's uh, overwatching, you know, recon, et cetera. So that's how it all started. And then, um, yeah, mate, fast forward to now, you know, 2000, what, 2021, COVID actually boosted us. Like it turned us into, you know, just a couple of guys into, you know, yeah. multiple, like, you know, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a multi million dollar business now, which is, which it's has been good for us, you know. Um, you know, taking over Newcastle, doing a lot of the pub and clubs and, yeah. you know, just doing things right and, um, yeah, just taking it to the next level. And then, you know, without the security company, you know, we've got the tactical side of things now yeah. and pushing, you know, uh, equipment and stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm studying paramedical science now as well. So I'm going to touch on, you know, I've you know, done a whole bunch of TCCC courses back in the day and now I just want to get the, you know, full qualification yeah. in paramedical science so I can – you know, open up a, a medical side of things, and yeah. it's just like an all-inclusive company. That's what you know, that's, the, that's the plan. Yeah, I remember you and I met. I was working for a rival company here in Newcastle at the owner's actual club, and you were across the road at the Delaney Hotel, and I was like Navy Army. We sort of just like clicked, you know. Yeah. And then I walked over the other side of the road and just started my shift. That's it. Once you're on that other side of the road, you just stayed. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> and then you. You came over and approached me. We were chatting for about 20 minutes, half an hour, just chatting everything Defence Force, you know, and it was just like... And it's just like that, you know. Like, it is. Like you, you speak to someone, you know, one of your Navy boys from back in the day, you, you don't have to speak to them for like four years and then you yeah. can literally just pick up where you left. Like I had one oh. literally FaceTime me the other day. He's a sky god now. Like he, he oh. works for... He's actually a contractor for... He does parachute and all the free fall and all that hey-ho and halo and all that crap in the, in the US and he yeah, works right. for the... Um, at the special operations school and okay. stuff, teaching these special operations operators how to jump out of planes. Yeah. To, and he's, yeah, he literally called me the other day and we literally just, you know, I was speaking to probably a year and he just picked up off... Exactly mm. where it is, bang. You know I mean, it's like that. I was speaking to a mate, uh, Tyler in, in Melbourne, and I haven't spoken to him in three years, or probably at the time was like four years. And I remember one day he just sent like an Instagram message to me or something like the phone, and we just, I, I rang him, and mate, we chatted for like nearly two hours. Yeah, and it's just like it's nothing crazy, happened. Eh? We didn't even say crazy. sorry, we didn't connect us. Like, have blokes. you got any guys here in Newcastle? Is there any other guys that you um, served with, or? I think there is. I reckon if I can rack my brain, there is some here, and I probably should make more of an effort to like chat to him. Within the in the last few weeks, you know, you sort of touching on a bit more of like a sad story. I had a few mates that they haven't done anything bad, but they were pro- they were pretty close, you know, and yeah. it just shows the show, you yeah. know, who's who, but. Well, you got it. You got yeah. to touch base, mate. You know, it's one of those things now, and obviously we're seeing it through the, you know, the, the news right now. Hopefully this Royal Commission gets pushed through, which it's, 
literally on the Prime Minister's shoulder now. I did see it, it today come on, the, down on to, the Pineapple Express. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully it gets pulled through because over the last, you know, fuck, few years, mate, I've – We've lost both of us. Have lost you know a, a bunch of blokes. Oh like, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I lost two blokes just you know a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, you know, from Baghdad as well. Yeah. Even British guys, a couple of British guys have um, did the same thing. So, which you know, it's just and I, you know, it's funny because I, I keep in contact with all the you know the British guys from yeah. Baghdad and because we worked with a lot of Brits that were on our contract as well. And I love them, man. They're good mates of mine, and oh, try cool. and keep in contact. And you know, it's not even the military guys. I just try and keep in contact with everyone now. Like, yeah. It's just, you know, the, the, the day and age that we're going through now, and obviously this is the reason why we've started this podcast, is just to give people, you know, that extra bit of, you know, kick to keep keep on keeping on, as Jodat would say. Yeah, yeah, see it? Just a, just a kick in the guts to bloody start, start you up, up just again, you know? start your day, and, you know, if we can get a few more crazy guests out there, which we've got a whole bunch lined up, you know, with crazy stories, and it just proves that anyone can do anything, yeah. you know. I come from, I was a class clown, and, you know, here I am, you know, running a multi-million dollar yeah. business now, like it's... That's it. It's just put your mind to it, put your head down and, you know, get into it. Yeah. But um, you just take that step, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, yeah. But, uh, all right, listeners, we'll wrap that up today because we've been chin uh, wag for over an hour now. But um, in the in the next few episodes between the um, athletes and the mad guests we got, Matthew and I will be con- uh, continue to talk about ourselves and Matthew will touch more on his uh, bodyguard stories because I've heard some uh, and they are they're pretty cool. Um, I don't have as as cool stories, but um, they're, they're still interesting for people who wanted to join the Defence Force, Navy, Army, or Air Force. Uh, we could try to get an Air Force person on board, maybe. Yeah, no, that, that I've got uh, I've got a few actually. Being in the being in Newcastle, we'll probably pick up a fighter pilot or some other mad mad dog. Yeah, so, yeah, so. fighter pilot would be sick. Yeah, so. cool job. Imagine that rocking up to a, a pub and be like, "What do you do for a living?" I'm just a fighter pilot. Can you imagine that? Imagine no the big. chick would be like, "Yeah, mate, whatever, you yeah, wanker." I'm Maverick. What do you do, mate? Oh, I'm a mature age apprentice plumber. I'm sweet. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? Thirty. Still at home with the parents. You do. <laughs> you do. I'm on apprentice wages. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Sugars. Gotcha. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee. How I like my men, long and black. However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, a few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, you've got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it. Get your discounts. So again, jump on to 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.